This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Great. We're ending off this morning with a, with a series or the theme that we've been doing. Our theme for the year is Let's Stand. There's a lot of Christians that are challenged by how things are changing, even conversations, you know, what is truth, what is, you know, um, and the Lord is really calling us to stand spiritually, to always stand first spiritually, and then sometimes like even these moms this morning, just to make a stand where there's injustice or where there's a need, um, so, so God calls all of us to be part of something and to, to say, sure, not just know what we are against, but know what we're standing for. Um, that, is, that is so important. And then we uh, started to talk a little bit about the, the culture and the world and, and how important it is for us to be biblical Christians because a lot of people don't know that the world is trying to sort of force itself and its own worldviews on us. And, um, and therefore, you even see a lot of churches today, they're changing their view or the way we do stuff, you know, and I'm not against like the hope and the life as long as Jesus is in the middle, you know, then all these things, they, they're all nice, but that will never change you. It's, it's great to host people. It's great to feel welcome. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of challenges today um, in the way we even do church and therefore discipleship and the way we live should be part of what we are doing. It's not a consumer church. It's not just another event. We're not just coming to do stuff so that we, we are good people and nice people. Uh, God has called us to make a difference and to make a stand. And so we're jumping into the scripture in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to get a bit practical at the end and pray for each other. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Last week we spoke about uh, do we just serve or are we servants? Uh, what's the difference? You know, the one is Jesus is Lord of your life, your whole life. You are a servant towards God. You're not just doing little things. We're not just handing out stuff because, hey, I want to get rid of the person on the street or I want to sort of be in my comfort zone because the idols today in our lives are stuff very deeply hidden sometimes. The choices we can make, the culture that we're part of, we we find comfort in a lot of things and, and God is the only one that can really supply and be sufficient. And so here, uh, the writer, Paul, he writes, he says, I, I beseech you, I beg you, I, I challenge you, I urge you that you present your bodies a living as a living sacrifice uh, to God. He says, and, and the way we should do it is wholly acceptable to God and that is your reasonable service. That is expected of God from you. God expects it. And um, God will never ask us something that he has not done himself. Uh, through Jesus, he became and showed us that God is the ultimate servant, that God's heart is to serve, not to take or to get, while the world completely goes in another direction. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow, what is the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God? For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, say same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
Now, now that is a complete weird concept for the individualistic society that we live in. God sees when we come together here this morning that we are individually members of one another. We're not a lot of individuals coming together. We are members of one another. We join just like this body of yours and mine. The one cannot function without the other. Having them give give then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. <laughs> so it's sort of like, say, present yourself to God. There's a perfect will of God. It's wholly acceptable. And you present yourself and it. There's a, there's a part of sacrifice of, of that. You know, it's, you could have been many other places even this morning, but you come to actually say, Lord, I'm not here just to sing a couple of songs. I'm, I'm presenting myself to God with a lot of other believers. And, and, I'm, I'm presenting myself as a servant to God. And then he says, but as I know this, that there's something supernatural that happens when I come together is the body of Christ begins to function together, begins to fulfill its role. And, and so he charges them also, he says, but you need to use those things God has given you. You need to live out that stuff. Otherwise, you will never be fulfilled. You will ne- you'll always be like, oh, you know, what should I add to my life before I can be used by God. And um, we saw last week, and I told you last week that, you know, sometimes we say, oh, Lord, use me, then you are going to sometimes feel used. Okay, so don't moan when you feel used, okay? Because <laughs> being a sacrifice and being a servant means that sometimes you're going to feel used. You're going to have a bit of self-pity and say like, oh, you know, I didn't already sign up for this, yeah? But now he goes, to, goes into this. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. You teaches in teaching. You exhorts in exhortation. You gives with liberality. You leads with diligence. You shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. He says, when, when love sort of it comes with, a, with a, <clears throat> on another side, he says, when, when you're using these gifts in your life, then you know what, love is going to really flow through you. But if you're selfish and just the individual doing your own thing, then love will always come and there's hypocrisy. It means like there's a pretense in your love. Because I, I asked this question last week and said, but if somebody gives you a gift, a 5,000 rand gift, what would your reaction be if somebody, not on your birthday, not on like, you didn't do anything for them. Somebody walks in here and just gives you a 5,000 rand gift. How many of us would feel a bit, a bit suspicious? <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> you think like, is there a bomb? Is there what is in here? You know? <laughs> is it, you know? How many of us would feel like, sure, how am I going to repay you? Or I should do something back. M- most of us feel like, sure. Because we struggle to receive. And therefore, if we don't st- cannot receive, it's difficult to give because then sometimes our giving will also come with conditions. And so that's what our society does. It, it, it hinders us from really receiving. So if we talk about the unconditional love of God, it's very difficult for most of us to receive that, to say, yeah, 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 it's head knowledge, but not necessarily heart knowledge. How can somebody love me unconditionally? There must be conditions attached. There must be a, a trick or there must be something that God wants out of this when he loves me. <laughs> you know, so, so therefore, because of our culture, we are hindered to really be ministers of the gospel and to really be able to freely give because we 
don't know what we freely have received. The Bible says freely give because you have freely received. Now, what have we freely received? Sure, the presence of God. Sure, the, the gifts of God. Sure, the fullness of God. That is what you have received. So, so he sort of says, he urges them and he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, but it's in the context of the church coming into its fullness where you can receive. And he, and, and he sort of goes through all of these gifts and we're gonna come back to that a little bit. He says how we should do it. He says, when you exhort, do it like this. You know, when you give, give it freely, liberally. When you lead, do it diligently. When you give mercy, do it with cheerfulness, not out of obligation. So he talks about this heart condition about how we should give. So then our giving and our serving each other doesn't just say like, sure, there's a lot of stuff. I must do it because you know what? I've, a, I've got a Christian label and I've got a fish on my car. And because I've got a fish on my car, you know, I must say, some people must not put a fish on their car. The way they drive, whew, you know, so rather take the fish off if you're not a good driver. But in any case, you know, that because I've got a fish on my car, it means like, whoa, you know. But we don't put a fish on our car because we go fishing. We put a fish on our car because we want to make a statement. My driving reflects my character. Oh, let the conviction just come. Okay. It's very quiet there at the back there, huh? I don't know, but let's go for it. It says, therefore, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. If we cannot receive, we cannot give, and therefore our love will also be limited. And, and let's be honest, we love through conditions. We love sometimes those we want to love or which will give us something back. I'm, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna invest in your life. Why? Because I can receive something. But if love is with hypocrisy, it means like, sure, we, we, we still don't know how to give freely. Now like it says, Abhor, stay away from evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. So, so it, it talks about this way in which we should serve each other and the way, you know, it says there's God wants that love to be amongst each other. And, and Jesus said it when he said, by this they will know the world that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, in honor. Now, our culture, now if you talk to John Yerp and some people of the Eastern culture, they have more honoring culture. Our culture is a shame culture. The Western culture is we always try to, through shame, either get control over people or we, we hide stuff. I, I've told you the story of, you know, my grandfather uh, who's dead and my, my grandmother, you know, they got divorced and only years later did I actually find out that my grandfather cheated on my grandmother. I, I could pick up when I was like in, in primary school that something was wrong. I remember one day when we got together in fall and there was this big commotion in the family and all the kids were around and you know, and we just realized, and there was a lot of, the ladies were crying, and some, it was just not a nice meeting, but we just knew something was terribly wrong, but nobody told us, yeah, and so years later, after I was like, at the end of varsity, I actually only found out that this, like, thing happened in the family, and that's a typical fruit of a shame-based culture, is we can't be open 
about what actually happens. We have to hide it and then like put it under the carpet and nobody talks about it. You know, there are 10 elephants in the room. The elephants start to eat each other in the room, you know? And you think like, what is going on here, you know? <laughs> Just be truthful, be honest, be real, you know? But we struggle to be real and then we come to church and we can't be real with each other. Why? Because we have a culture that enforces a way of thinking. It's like, hey, walk in here and say, how are you, brother? Blessed. How was your week? Wonderful. The Lord is good all the time, all the time. The Lord is good. Yeah. <laughs> and then he like, yeah. But on Wednesday, it didn't feel like it was good, you know. <laughs> So if somebody next time, next week asks you, how's it going? Then you say, terrible. It's not a good day and it's not a good hair day. Everything stands like this and it should stand like that, you know? But, but we don't like to say that. Why? Because love has got hypocrisy. And the reason for that is just because we are limited to be able to give. We are limited to be able to share. We're limited because we don't have a confidence in those things because of our culture and because of hurt sometimes of the way we've grown up. And so therefore we become masters at pretending. We become masters at showing something on the outside that wants to conform. And this is what he's talking about. So he, he says it, let's just recap quickly. He says, present your bodies. And it means that everything you do is an act of worship, a living sacrifice, it's an offering, it's worship to God, it's holy, it's been set apart, my life has been set apart, it's been acceptable, while pleasing to Him, it's my reasonable service. Therefore, worship isn't something we sing, worship is who we are. It's in, inherently coming to present myself to God. So tomorrow when I go to work, I'm worshiping. Tomorrow when I step into the office and there's a lot of people that are just like going for it, I'm a worshiper. It should not change. And it doesn't mean like, you know, I was at the traffic department this week and there was this one lady that door was sort of half closed and she was just singing out of her lungs, you know, you know, how great is our God, you know. So, so I was busy here in the, in the queue and afterwards I just walked in and I just looked in and I said, I like that song. She says, yes, me too. Yeah. And it was, it, was, it was so cool. But it doesn't mean like you have to sing the whole traffic department, you know, and walk down the street and all that stuff. It's your lifestyle. It's who you are. So it's an offering. My life becomes an offering. And uh, Peter writes the same. He says in 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 10, coming to him as a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And this is a big challenge because a lot of people and even a lot of churches, a lot of Christians ask today what is acceptable to man. And we must ask, Lord, is my sacrifice that I am bringing, is it acceptable to you? And therefore the gospel is either centered around God or the gospel can be centered around man. And if we want to please man, there will be no power in that gospel. If we want to please God, then my life, what we are doing here today, we are a living stone. We, yes, we are precious, all that stuff, but we are here for one thing, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And we must always ask, God, is what I am bringing you, is it acceptable to you? 
And that's a challenging one because we want to put this stuff on what we think is acceptable to him. We want to put it in a little box and say, oh, Lord, I'm going to give you an hour. I'm going to give you 10 minutes there. And you know, the rest, I'm in charge. Don't be afraid to ask God, God, is what I am bringing to you acceptable to you? Sure, it's getting very quiet. So the second part, you know, is this, this whole idea of sacrifice, this whole idea of being a servant, is this question conformed or transformed? Now to be conformed is this word schema, which means the outward form that changes from year to year. It's like a chameleon that changes its color. The world conforms. The world schemas. Scheme, you ever heard that word? The world is scheming. And so what the world is doing, and this is what Paul is writing about, he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't change on the outside. That should not be your primary focus. But morphe, metamorphe, be transformed. It's an inward change. The inward, the unchanging shape of something that starts in the inward, you know. I like that emblem, you know, of the church from the inside out. We don't go and do stuff there. We don't do mama temba because we just want to feel good and say, oh, look at what the church is doing, you know. That's wonderful. Makes me feel good. No, no, we do it because why God has changed from the inside out. There's a love for the injustice. There's a love for those who are needy. Because why God has done something in our hearts. Can I get an amen? Okay, so don't be conformed. Because if you're going to live by that as a Christian, you're going to get into trouble. Because every year things are going to change. I wonder always, you know, the people, I don't know if you've looked sometimes at it, I, you know, the people that do the new fashion. There's apparently new fashion every year. And I think like, how do they get that? You know, how do they get that, you know? Firstly, those high heels. Ben, have you ever thought of those high heels? How on earth can they call that fashion? I call it pain, you know? Have you seen those ladies, I've, 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 you know, the other day in front of the office, there was this lady walking and we were waiting for this one guy to come. And there was this lady in, in like a, you know, she was really dressed. She was, now she's walking there past going to pick and pay side, you know. But she has these massive high heels. And she goes like, but I can see those feet are aching. I can, I can, I can, she, she's walking by faith like somebody's walking on water, you know. But she is going to walk through those ditches. She is going to make it to the other side, you know. And there was this one moment when she was like, just like, it went like this. She just went like that. The recovery was like an instant. It was just like, she went like this. Uh, it was like a, whoo. And then she was like up on her feet again. And then she just had this little check around her to see whether anybody has seen it. And yes, it goes again. And I'm thinking like, you are going to walk all the way from the Akerstadt Mall to pick and pay on those things, you know? That's the tenth wonder of the world, a lady on high heels, you know? But now I'm thinking, now who, who said that's gonna be fashion? Because it's crazy, you know, it's just pain. It's just, you know, because those little toes in front, I can just imagine pushing those feet, you know? And then in the night she sits up there with her heels and she needs a massage. Now all the ladies who wear high heels, you know, they're, they're the ones that are laughing like that, you know? But it's amazing what we will do to just, Tell the world. Maybe it's short people that want to just be a higher, you know? I don't know, I don't know, but in any case, so 
It's got nothing to do with the sermon. So how do we transform? He says, this is what we do by the renewing of our mind, by having the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2 verse 16 says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that the, he may instruct him, but you have the mind of Christ. We also need to know who we are. What is, what is the stuff God has given you? Because otherwise your identity will be determined by things on the outside. There's different functions. And then he says, that's why he says, with true brotherly love, serve each other. Become a servant. And then you need to know where you fit in. He says, we are individually members of one another. Now, most of us don't think in that way. When you come to church or when you go to small group, you don't think like, I can't make it on my own. I need Christu. We are individually members of one another. If Christu is not there, then I'm not whole. Or not whole, I'm not together. I'm whole in Christ, but I'm individually members of one another. That's why I need him. I can never fulfill God's purpose if I don't have another brother or sister with me. Are, are you with me? It's, it's very simple, but that's what he's writing. He says, as we do these things, as we, as we serve each other, as we bless each other. Now, I have to tell you the story when we were, not the story, the vision. And maybe it's applicable to some people here, but at the AMP camp, the student camp a couple of weeks ago, as we were praying, the Lord gave me a vision early in the morning. And this was the vision. He showed me this massive wall and there were people standing in front of the wall, in individuals. And each one had like a paintbrush, but on their own, each one stood in, the, in front of their own, this massive wall. And there was a paintbrush. The problem was on the wall, the layer of paint was chipping off. So it, it was like, you realize like this wall needed to be painted. But the person standing there, I didn't recognize who the person was, was like going to go to just paint over the, the stuff that was showing through the marks and the blotches and the paint that was chipping. Just paint over it again to have a sort of a show the people like everything is clean, everything is in place. But then Jesus was standing next to this specific person and wanted the person, wanted this guy specifically to give him the paintbrush. And he had a little, like a, almost like a scalpel, like a little thing that you chip the paint off. What do you call it? A paint remover, huh? Scraper, a paint scraper. You all know what that is, okay? So he was, he was standing there and, and the guy didn't want to give the paintbrush. And then eventually Jesus just gave the scraper the guy went off and he started to scrape off that layer of paint and the chip that came off. And underneath that layer was this amazing, beautiful canvas picture. And then I realized like, wow, that is how we live. We try to just paint over the mess. We just try to paint over the stuff that comes through. But Jesus doesn't give us a paintbrush. He goes as a scraper so that the original will begin to show through. But that's a bit painful when Jesus comes to scrape off the paint that we just so easily paint through to try and tell the world something on the outside which we are not really, who he's not created us to be. Powerful picture, eh? I thought so. In any case, thank you for your enthusiasm. Okay. 
So the last thing that he says, two slides, and then we're going to get a bit practical and pray for each other. He says, use your gifts, exercise your gifts. He says, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly in Hebrews 5, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't think you're special. <laughs> Don't think you're more special than other people. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Sure. And, and, and this, is, this is so tough for us in the environment, and especially if you struggle to receive, you're going to struggle to give, but you're also going to struggle to honor others for the giftings that God has given them. So we want to give preference to the giftings of people standing maybe in front here, while God would sometimes give preference to the intercessor, the inward part, the lungs, the liver. <laughs> that's, that's the most <clears throat> precious parts of your body. You can't make it without your heart. You can make it without your ear, Herbie. You've got a nice nose, but the ear, you know, but you can cut off the ear, but you can't make it without the heart. And so we give preference to the stuff on the outside because that's what the conformity of society is about. What do you look like? How do you perform? How do you do stuff on the outside? And God looks at the heart. God comes straight and he says, but I'm, I, I look at your heart and I can see something in you. I, I recognize something in you. And this is what he says. He says, hey, there should be no competition already between Christians or who's the better or who the, who's the other because hey, God has given each one a measure of faith. And that also deals with God's sovereignty. Because if God has called Isel to do something and given her a measure of faith, God did that. Maybe that measure of faith is a bit more than Benny's. Okay? But if, if, if we understand this love and we understand this principle, then what begins to happen is we can really celebrate each other. Because we realize like, if Kumi has a breakthrough, it's my breakthrough. If Corey has a breakthrough, it's my breakthrough. If Corey suffers, hey, it's, I'm suffering. The whole body is suffering. Are, are you with me? It's, 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 it's so simple, but so profound. And God wants to deliver us from this thing. But all of us come with this like, hey, I want to feel more important or, hey, I am not important enough so God cannot use me. Because you can be on both sides of the spectrum. The one just like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be God's chosen gift. And the other one just says like, oh, no, God will never choose somebody like me. So you always hide behind other people. And then other people suffer because you never do what God has called you to do. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay, sure. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. Okay. I also got a chocolate. It's not Mother's Day, but I'm going to eat it now. No. Okay, so, cool. This is where we're going to get a bit practical. So, he mentions in Romans 6, he mentions, and you can go and do this at home. These are the pink slides. You won't see that so nice, but maybe on the side there. There's a, there's a website, gifttest.org. You can also, parents, you can do this stuff with your kids as well. But it's so important that when it just comes to the natural giftings and the, some of the spiritual giftings, some people call it the motivational gifts. And it's not, some people say the list is exhaustive, that's it. I don't really think the list is like, that's just the list. I think there's a lot of other giftings that God also uses, but at least he mentioned these ones. Okay? So he, he mentions a couple of ones, and what we're going to do now is I want you to identify with one or two of them because we're going to chat a little bit about, around them and, and think of practical ways. Because remember, we are servants, and God doesn't want us just to be in our comfort zone to come to church because, hey, 
You just come in, go out, but there's no challenge, there's no change, there's no obedience. And so each one of you, as you are sitting here, you have got something to give. Each one of you. There's something God has placed inside of you, Trish, who is a perceiver and a prayer warrior, that will bless the body. If you go to Annalise, she's very hospitable. She just loves, what is that, Tafels, you know, Tafels, she's going to India. And eat curry, and please don't invite me <clears throat> when you come back for all those chilies. I've been in India more than 20 times. It's not my strength, okay? But I'm going to stand here at the back, and then we're going to look at those lists together if I can read it, okay? Cool, so look at the board. This is all just to get you all out of your comfort zone, especially the people here at the back. Okay, but that's what makes it nice with a microphone like this. Okay, so I want you to look at that, that list. So I mentioned a couple of things. The first one is the prophecy or the perceiver, okay? That's somebody that can just walk in, assess a situation, more the type of black or white type of person that just says like, this is right, this is wrong, let's just talk about it, okay? So you can easily either use it for prayer, you've got a high level of discernment, or you can just judge people and write people off, okay? That's the perceiver, there's somebody that can see a situation and you can summarize stuff easily. The second one is the ministry one or the practical service one. These are people are very task orientated, they recognize needs of people like Celeste and you know, some people just go into a situation and they recognize the needs and we're gonna fix it, okay? It's called the gift of ministry. Then other people are the teachers. You'll be in a conversation and you will always like try to get people to understand. We're gonna talk this thing through. We, you know, you keep people on, the, on sort of sound, rational thinking and you like to be intellectually stimulated. And you love teaching, okay? You love going in and telling people, how does this thing work? Then exhortation. You build up the body, you see potential in people, you always are the party animal around, okay? Somebody like Jürgens, where is Jürgens? Okay, he can't miss out on any event. But um, you always want people to be motivated. Now when you go into this website, gifttest.org, you'll see there's a whole PowerPoint slide that you can download and there it will tell you some of the strengths and the weaknesses of each one of these gifts. Then that's exhortation, you want people to be pulled up. Then the people that give, sharing or giving, you are charitable, hospitable, generous. You always just give, 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 give. Then there's the leader or the ruler. You know, you see the big picture, you can dream big, you can show people what's going around. Now don't fall asleep while we're going through this list because you're gonna need to talk about that now, now who you are, okay? So, and then the last one is the one in darkness, mercy, okay? You're always, you're always merciful. You cannot not pick somebody up that's hitchhiking. Somebody that's, you're always like, no, no, we're gonna stop. No, there's a massive need here. We need to meet that need. You're mercy orientated. If there's somebody on the street, your heart breaks for them automatically, okay? And mercy people just love meeting those needs and especially hurting people as well. Okay, so cool. Now, now we've run through that list and this is where we're gonna get practical. I want you to identify two that you're very strong in and then form a group of four or five. And then for 10 minutes, you're gonna just tell people, how do you think 
God wants to use that strength in your life within the church or within your work context, there where you need to do ministry. Because hey, we said last week and the previous week, everyone has been called to ministry. Everyone has been called to make a difference. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, God has given you those gifts. And how are we using them? How are we bringing them to make a change? Okay, so groups, listen to me carefully now, not please, not more than four or five, because otherwise we're gonna take too long. So quickly, groups of four or five, maybe you came with somebody. Okay, shh. When you finish, please stand up. We're gonna... So today is sort of the bit of a practical of the past couple of weeks. So um, I remember one of our children was very small and then she heard us singing the song that we're gonna sing now, Lord, I give you my heart. And she thought like, well, if she gives her heart, then she's gonna die now because I was, is somebody gonna come to cut open you know, like to a heart surgery, you know, um, because like children really, they take, take stuff literally, you know, they say like, whoa, they're gonna take out my, they're really gonna take out my heart. I can't sing that song, you know, but we all know what, what we're talking about. And so we live in such a busy age that we sometimes sing songs that we struggle to present ourselves to God. And that's part of the Christian's life is to consecrate your life to God. Say, Lord, here I am to worship you. Then the focus isn't on you, but it's in coming to God. And so we're going to end off this morning by inviting some people here that are religious. And normally when we think, somebody is religious we think of somebody that goes to a reformed church or somebody that doesn't sing songs like we do we say that's religious but good religion is to look after the widows and the orphans scripture says so again tomorrow morning when you walk into work that is worship it's you presenting yourself to God because you're working for him. You're not working just to get a salary so that you can give to the church <laughs> and take care of the people around you. Worship is who we are as we give ourselves to God. And so even with those giftings that we saw, they don't look so spiritual to be hospitable, to invite people into your home, to be giving when you stop at the petrol station. It's not like you don't need a word of knowledge for that, which is the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. But for God, it's very spiritual because it represents his heart. It represents who he is when we love others, when we honor others, when we celebrate them, when we decide I'm gonna open up my home once a month just to invite another family in church to come and eat with me and I'm going to serve them. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.